Welcome to the Hospital Finance Podcast, your go-to source for information and insights that can help you stay ahead of the challenges impacting healthcare finance. And now, the host of the Hospital Finance Podcast, Michael Passanate. Hi, this is Mike Passanate, and welcome back to the award-winning Hospital Finance Podcast. Each year, the OIG adds items to their work plan to deal with emerging issues. To review recent additions to the work plan, I'm joined by Mary Devine, Senior Director of Revenue Cycle Services at Bessler. Mary, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Mike. Mary, how many items were added in 2021 to the OIG work plan, and how many of those were specific to CMS? So I think it's important to step back and talk about the complete count of the work plan. So currently there are 286 items on the active OIG work plan. 70 have either been completed or removed, leaving 216 open items. And then, so the the OIG covers a broad spectrum of agencies. Um, There are 186 active items for the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid services, which we all know as CMS. 52 of them have been completed or removed, leaving 134 open items specific to CMS. So um, jumping into what happened in 2021, there were 31 items added and 18 of those were specific to CMS. What are the different components of the issues added? So um, there are really two components that the issues fall into. Um, the issues can either be from the Office of Audit or the Office of Evaluations and Inspections. And although the, the names kind of lend itself to what, what they are, typically the audits are to ensure reimbursement is being made appropriate to providers. The evaluations and inspections are just that, to ensure patients are being treated and cared for appropriately. There isn't any abuse that goes on. Um, and so when we talk about some issues that were added, um, there were four items added relating to COVID-19, three were audits, and one was an evaluation and inspection. And I think when people think of um, the OIG, they always think of more of the audit piece than the evaluations and inspections, because that's really genuinely focused on, on the overall care and outcomes of the patients. So let's drill into some of the detail around the issues uh, that were added in 2021. What can you tell us about those? Sure. So I want to start with three issues that were added regarding SNFs. And two were focused on auditing proper reimbursement and what was inspecting employees' background and checks. Um, So SNFs today are reimbursed based on five care criteria. And the audit will review the reimbursement to the care provided. So basically, um, the reimbursement is based on the level of care the patient needs. Um, So you talk about um, the physical therapy and the occupational therapy, and maybe there's wound care and there's the the hours of nursing involved. So the higher the patient is on on a need scale, then the reimbursement continues. So they want to make sure that the needs of the patient and the documentation in the chart support the the criteria or the level that was billed. Um, And additionally, what happens is Medicare Part D um, cannot be billed. And for those of you who aren't aware, although I'm sure everyone is, Medicare Part D is is prescriptions. Um, But so when a patient is in a 
Part A sniffs stay, Medicare Part D cannot be billed for any prescriptions because it's included in that um, five levels of, of um, reimbursement. So the drugs would be included in that. So they also audit to make sure that those drugs are not being separately billed outside of a, a Part A sniff stay. Um, and I think, you know, one of the things that has been going on for quite some time now, um, there's been a lot of focus on nursing home patient neglect and abuse and the item that is added from a um, evaluation perspective is the employee background checks. And that is focused on, again, controlling, eliminating any potential neglect abuse, making sure that um, employees that are hired are, you know, there's a criminal background check done and making sure that there isn't potential risk of the patients being neglected or abused. And then, um, the other couple that were added just to mention is duplicate billing is always on the OIG work plan and 2021 was certainly no exception. And there were two issues that were added. Um, the first is Medicare and the VA can't be billed for the same services. Um, and again, so if a patient is in a VA covered stay, Medicare cannot be billed for anything that occurred with that stay because the VA should pick that up. So, um, for this particular issue, the OIG and the VA OIG um, will review this together. It'll be a joint effort between the two, and they're making sure that there isn't any uh, duplicate billing between the two agencies. And then um, the other duplicate billing that was added is related to critical access hospitals. And one of the things about critical access hospitals is they are reimbursed on cost, so you they file cost reports on an annual basis. And obviously the goal of that cost report or for providers is to capture as much cost as they can. So um, critical access hospitals will include physicians in, in that cost. And then that gets included in, in their cost and their reimbursement. If that happens, that cost I'm sorry, that physician service then cannot be billed separately to um, Medicare Part B. So they'll be auditing to make sure that there are not any critical access hospitals that are collecting both from a cost perspective for their physicians as well as billing Medicare Part B. Mary, COVID had a tremendous impact on the healthcare system. Were there any items added relating specifically to COVID? Yep, for sure. So as I mentioned earlier, there were four issues added relating to COVID-19. Three of the issues were from an audit perspective, and um, two of them were then focused on telehealth. So the first um, issue that was added was an audit of the home health services provided as telehealth during the COVID-19 public health emergency. Um, and then the second telehealth was the audit of Medicare Part B telehealth services. They sound similar, but certainly a little different um, during the COVID-19 uh, public health emergency. And so this is regarding the physician services, such as evaluation and management. And there really is a, is a big focus on the ability of doctors to manage or opioid management and control from a, um, a physician perspective. So they're going to audit to make sure there wasn't a lot of ordering or over-ordering of the opioid drug while the patients were being managed from a uh, telehealth perspective. And then the other one was um, audits of Medicare uh, Part B laboratory services during the COVID-19 pandemic. 
So um, there is no cost sharing as it relates to um, COVID-19 testing. And so they're going to go in and audit and make sure, number one, that patients were not um, billed for any balances as it relates to the typical 20% that you would find. And then they're also going to make sure that um, providers did not bill for other respiratory diagnoses when they should have been billing for COVID-19. So all three of these audits um, were to, uh, for, to determine uh, proper reimbursement was made. Um, and this is really done through claims submitting whether they're accurate or not. And that's what they'll use. So you'll, they'll use claim data to audit it. And then the fourth is um, the, the home health agency's challenges and strategies in responding to the COVID-19 pandemic issue. Um, and this is specifically to evaluate and inspect how the home health agencies dealt with the shortage of supplies and employees um, and utilize telehealth services. So um, unfortunately, you know, home care, what, uh, help was impacted greatly, you know, from a supply perspective and the availability of employees. So they want to go in and audit to see how the care was impacted due to that shortage. How did they handle that? Did, did they not overuse um, the telehealth services and um, how, were, how were the patient outcomes? So that's what that would be focused on. Mary, are there any items that remain on the OIG work plan, uh, work plan worth discussing? Oh, absolutely. So uh, the one item that's near and dear to my heart it, that, and that remains on the OIG work plan since 2018 is um, the Medicare hospital payments for claims involved in the acute and post-acute transfer policies. Medicare's acute and post-acute uh, transfer policies designate some discharges as transfers when beneficiaries receive care from certain post-acute care uh, facilities. Um, and to that end, uh, the DRG payment provides payment in full to hospitals for all inpatient services associated with a particular uh, DRG and diagnoses. Because of the transfer policies, hospitals are paid a per diem rate for discharges when they're below the geometric mean length of stay. And, and again, they're specific to the, the DRGs and they're transferred to another post-acute uh, facility that is impacted by PPS or paid on PPS. And then maybe they went to a skilled nursing facility as well, inpatient rehab, home health, long-term care, um, psychiatric hospitals, and now hospice. Um, and that is assuming that if that is the case, then the provider should not have received the full DRG. It should have been um, the per diem payment. So the OIG audit is going to review Medicare for overpayments to determine whether um, providers billed indicating on their claim the patient did not receive um, post-acute care, and they're going to audit that. Again, it's a, a data mining process, and they're going to look to see if within three days or on the date of discharge, did that patient receive post-acute care all while the, the hospital received the full DRG. And um, the other thing that they did with this audit is a, it's a little bit different, is that they also want to make sure that there isn't any real cost shift. So, okay, maybe Medicare didn't pay for those post-acute services, but Medicaid is paying for that post-acute service. And, and that's not to say that patients can't be discharged from a hospital and go and receive 
services covered by Medicaid, providing it's not a skilled level that Medicaid, that Medicaid is not picking up. Because if Medicaid is covering um, a skilled level, then that would be considered cost shifting and those would be considered overpayments. Um, and in the past, uh, CMS has recovered $54.4 million from providers based on this um, review. And now providers um, are currently receiving recruitment letters to take back that overpayment. Um, and the one last piece of this audit that they did is they the OIG went to the max and had them correct their edits within their the DVE platform fifth. So that would ensure now that these claims won't get paid moving forward. They came up, actually came up with a new rejection. It's a C7800. So probably providers are going to begin seeing more of a C7800 rejection because these edits are now correct. Um, and you won't be faced with these overpayments um, from the OIG in, you know, two years down the road when they go back and re-audit this. There should be minimal overpayments. Mary, what do you think providers should be doing to stay ahead of the OIG? One of the biggest thing is the, the OIG is updated on a regular basis and should be reviewed to determine current audits and inspections. You know, put it on your calendar to go in and see what else was added. You know, read any OIG reports that come out and, you know, so you can determine where your risks are. Um, and once you determine that something new was added or you, you think you might be at risk, then you should take um, steps to um, review your vulnerability and perform some audits on that, whether it be just a probe or you need to do a full sample, depending on where you think your risk is. Um, and then, you know, not to mention the um, overpayments from the perspective of duplicate billing and telehealth and COVID-19, you want to make sure that you're, you're reviewing those claims because um, those are now new items on the... OIG work plan. And then finally, you know, you always want to review your claims impi impacted by the transfer transfer rule re retrospectively to ensure proper payment. And, you know, if, you, if you're looking at an underpayment, you want to make sure that you're looking at overpayments as well. Um, and you should do that either, again, using an internal um, process or utilizing an outside vendor. And Mary's team are experts at locating transfer DRG underpayments and helping hospitals uh, understand where overpayments may exist as well. So if you're interested in having her team provide a secondary look for your hospital, just email us at update at Bessler.com and we'd be happy to talk with you more about that. Mary Devine, thanks so much for joining us today on the Hospital Finance Podcast. Thank you. This concludes today's episode of the Hospital Finance Podcast. For show notes and additional resources to help you protect and enhance revenue at your hospital, visit Bessler.com forward slash podcasts. The Hospital Finance Podcast is a production of Bessler. Smart about revenue, tenacious about results.